We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Blue Wire Podcast Network and sometimes the Chargers Podcast Network. It's too. I, I like to remind ourselves on the show sometimes that, like, hey, we do some pretty cool stuff on Tuesdays through the Chargers Podcast feed and, uh, you know, excited for tonight's show as well. Joining me tonight, as always, is my guy Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing pretty well. It's a little bit late. Thank you, everyone, for hanging in there and coming to a quote unquote late show. Almost done with this master's degree thing, and I promise after that, won't happen again. Yeah, this is a, a apologies, especially to our uh, East Coast listeners as well as our uh, across the pond listeners in Europe. But you know, sometimes the schedule is the schedule. So um, 8 p.m. tonight, but you know, we'll uh, be back at a normal time uh, later on in the week. I will say we um, are not going to have a Saturday show this weekend like we usually do. Uh, we're taking the weekend off for. Uh, Memorial Day, so my parents are coming down to Fresno from Salt Lake and going to be spend some time with them and, and uh, go golfing with my dad. So um, it's going to be a fun weekend down here in Fresno. Hopefully you guys get to uh, enjoy the weekend as well. Um, so that being said, tonight we're going to have a, a good conversations about the latest around Chargers OTAs. Obviously, the this is OTA season, so there's a lot of uh best shape of my life talk already starting i can't wait i love it because it means football is closer and closer to to getting started um but obviously we do have some news to talk about tonight in the form of austin eckler's contract situation 
which officially got settled on Tuesday. And then we also will be talking about Joey Bosa and just kind of an update on him, uh, both from himself, Khalil Mack. Uh, Giff Smith talked about Joey's health as well, which we'll get into. Um, but first things first, man, with Austin Eckler. So he was one of the biggest question marks of the offseason, obviously, and uh, started out by requesting a permission to seek a trade to other teams. Uh, obviously, that market did not go down very well for him. The running back market kind of tanked. So uh, we knew after the draft of the Chargers did not add a running back to the roster that uh, the most likely situation was the Chargers and Austin Eckler coming back to the table and getting some kind of uh, settlement uh, on the book. So that has officially happened. Uh, Austin Eckler staying with the Chargers for 2023, um, agreeing to uh, a revised deal that includes up to $1.75 million in incentives. Um, according to Tom Pelissero, it's $1 million for total yards, um, You know, up to 1,600 total yards for him, up to $600,000 for touchdowns. Uh, you know, tiers from 10 to 16, and then he, he'll get uh, an additional $150,000 if he makes the Pro Bowl. Uh, so Tyler, now that we have some resolution here, what are your thoughts with this, uh, this result and maybe the timing of this result as well? It's nice. It's really nice that the Chargers do not have to, and Austin Eckler, worry about this heading into training camp. There's no hold in or whatever you want to call it. It's just going to be football. And I think the incentives are fair based on previous production but i don't my question is really how much are the chargers going to be able to use him this year do they want to continue to use him as much as they had the last two years right um, again there's nobody really behind him to say that okay yeah like let's give this person 200 touches or 150 touches don't trust either of those guys just yet but i think this is generally fair enough you know i, I think that it's kind of a, a win-win for both sides although i think austin eckler they're looking for above the tag. They're looking for $11 million per year. Mm-hmm. And all he got was, you know, was it 1.75 million in incentives, but it's something. And I think that because there's no hold in, there's nobody looking at him funny. There's nobody like, come on, man. Like we're all here. We're all trying to work. Let's do this. Everyone I think is going to be happy here. The one thing that I, I do think that he's basically not going to hit at all is the incentive that he hasn't hit at all so far, which is that pro bowl vote. I'm yeah. assuming that means first team. I, I, I'm assuming that doesn't mean alternate. But not only has he not done that in the past, despite huge production, he's now kind of battling with some fans who maybe are no longer really fans of him because of this trade request, yeah. which is a bit silly, but I understand like the, the emotions of, of the sport and stuff like that. So don't think he'll hit that, he'll hit that one. The 1,639 mark for his up to $1 million dollars I'm assuming he has to exceed that to get the full million dollars for total yards. Um, but his max so far in his career is 1,624 last year, uh, mm-hmm. if you go by PFF, and then 1,558 in 2021. So he'll need, if he's supposed to exceed 1,639, he'll need 16 more yards than he had last year to get that full million. Now, does it matter a, a whole lot if for him if it's 900,000 versus a million? I don't know. I don't know what the tiers are. Are there 10 tiers between there? Are there right. between the beginning and the end? I don't know. Um, but point is, there's incentive for him. He wants to have a good season. He wants to have a big season. There's now money, more money attached this year to that. There's money attached to it next year when he hits free agency. And, you know, the Chargers also want to use him because this is the biggest contract 
uh, coming off the books. They're not coming off the books, but he'll be off the books next year in terms of being a free agent. And that's your biggest comp pick opportunity. So I think that all around, both sides are happy with the finances. Both sides are happy with this idea of next year he's probably gone. Solid overall. I'm happy this got done. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I agree. I think in terms of you know Austin Eckler getting paid, this is it's a step in the right direction. I think he probably still feels like he would be underpaid, um, but 1.75 million dollars is, is nothing to to sneeze at, right? So, you know, who knows if he'll hit all of these incentives? But you know, if you're looking at just his like total potential value for this year, like he is pretty close to that franchise tag level running back. So. Um, it's a step in the right direction, and clearly it was enough of a step for Austin Eckler to agree to it at this point in time. So regardless of like how you feel about the trade request or how you feel about how Austin Eckler has gone about this, I think he's handled this very, very well. You know, he has made his points very clear. He's never been against the Chargers. Like he's always stated from day one that he wanted to stick around with the team. He wanted a long-term contract. He wanted to retire with the Chargers. He just wanted to get paid properly in his mm-hmm. opinion and how he views himself around the league. And like, you know, he's been the biggest bargain running back contract, certainly maybe, you know, one of the biggest offensive player bargain contracts in the league mm-hmm. over the last two seasons for the Chargers, giving them, you know, 1500 yard plus total yards from scrimmage and 40 touchdowns over the last two years. So, um, you know, he's still underpaid probably, but this is where the running back market is at. So mm-hmm. I think, Austin Eckler making up to, um, I think it's $9 million total value if he hits everything. Mm-hmm. That feels fair with where the running back market is at now after all of the free agency contract stuff. So, And I think Austin Eckler deserves credit too for agreeing to this situation now. Mm-hmm. Like right, like you said, like this is the earliest possible that he probably could have agreed to the situation. And we're avoiding a hold-in contract uh, you know, debacle in training camp. We're avoiding all the distraction stuff that happened from like the Melvin Gordon hold in or hold out. Obviously, that's a different CBA. You can't hold out anymore. Right. Um, but it's it's May 25th, and Austin Eckler has agreed to a rise contract that's gonna make him fully committed to the team. And whether you like the idea of him asking for a trade or not, the situation got resolved much faster than I think anybody probably anticipated from a financial standpoint. And now he's fully bought in. He's 100% yeah. ready to go for 2023. And I think he should be uh, at least respected for how he has handled the whole thing from the jump. Yeah, I was worried initially when he kept doing media appearances. He'd just go on every right. podcast imaginable. I'm like, okay, like at some point, maybe stop making those appearances on a random podcast and saying something. Just because yeah. like at, at that point, especially for someone like him who is very much like public brand for his brand and his foundation and all that, you know, pipe down just a little bit. But no, I think he handled it pretty well. I think the Chargers handled this really well. They could have definitely given in and they definitely could have said, okay, like we really don't have anything behind Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, like, are we going to find 1,600 yards elsewhere in one player? Probably not. Are we going to find 20 touchdowns in Joshua Kelly? Probably not. So they could have spent, okay, like, I guess we have no choice, $11 million. But, no, I, I think the Chargers win here. I think Austin Eckler, a little less, wins here. So really, really solid overall. Again, May 25th. I, I, I honestly assumed, I think we all assumed that Austin Eckler would still be on the team. I think we assumed that he, after the draft, that is, I think we all assumed that he was going to be the starter. And we, I think we all assumed that 
he was going to play week one, but I assumed he was just going to be at that point on his current deal. Like you tried, you lost, it's over. So I do respect the Chargers for saying, okay, let's put some fair, I think, incentives in here and, and make things work. So now he's not just returning with his tail between his legs to camp, but it's like there was a bit of a victory here in what he was trying to do. And again, anyone who thinks that he shouldn't have you know, held out or not held out, but asked for a trade request or try to get a bit more money, I understand it's it's dicey as fans. We're always like, why aren't you fully committed? But there's so much to it. And he's he's worth more than he's been paid. So I understand why he did it. I'm glad he won. I'm glad the Chargers win here too. Yeah, and I'm glad we avoided any situation where either side feels like they have to dig in, right? Like Austin Eckler could have easily dragged this into training camp and I'm not practicing. I'm doing the hold-in thing. I'm not going to play in the preseason games. You know, if you don't pay me my money, I'm not going to play week one. Like, you got to see what you have without me. And, and he didn't. And I think he should be respected for that. And I think the Chargers should be respected for not digging themselves in here either because hey man like this is the running back market like this is how it is like this is not us saying we don't like austin eckler the running back market is telling you hey we don't value running backs as a league right now and they could have easily said we're not paying you anymore you know this is it this is your contract this is what you agreed to and they didn't so i agree i think both sides handled it very very well and i'm excited that this is over in may that we don't have to spend half of training camp talking about this um so quick question and i think this kind of leads to the next part of this from uh wrong speedy he says because they let him explore other teams does that increase the odds he re-signs for less than he expected i assume he's talking about next off season so yeah tyler how do you view this in terms of long-term outlook for austin eckler and the Chargers? does this impact things at all for you does this change how you think this was going to down uh next year where are you at with him in terms of after 2023 it really is less about him and as much as it is the rest of the team you know they did go get Thule and they did go get Quentin Johnson so there's ways to obviously free up money next year but that Herbert extension is or the currently it's a fifth year option but that extension will be on there so I just I, I don't see unless Eckler takes you know four or five million like significantly less than he's already paid I, I don't see a way that he's back to be completely honest unless he takes mm-hmm. a significant underpay to be back which i don't think he would want i don't know who's going to pay him a lot um at the same time too do you want another 300 250 touches on on austin eckler throughout the season another 1500 yards do you want to bank on that again or do you want to get out one year early and then try to net that comp pick i think the chargers are going to play the all right like we honestly maximize this relationship as best we could but we got to move on at some point. So it's tough. You know, he could legitimately have a really good season, but the Chargers are not going to be able to pay him what he's worth. They clearly aren't going to pay him $10 million this year. They're not going to do it after another season with another 300, you know, catches and receptions. So I I just think, I think he's gone. And I think that's, you know, I, I think it's just, it's impossible to make that work for both sides at this point. Even they both want to, like he wants to be a charger. I'm sure they'd love to have him, but yeah. it's, it's it's legitimately going to come down to money at this point. And I understand why he would leave. Like we could, we could certainly see a situation similar to like Morgan Fox, where he goes and tests the market, doesn't love what he sees and is okay. Coming back to the chargers on a discount, right? Like that's, that's what happened with Morgan Fox. Like Morgan Fox did not, like what he found on the open market and decided that coming back to the Chargers for cheaper was was the best move for him. 
that's a possibility. It would have to be pretty cheap, in my opinion, because um, you know this is the business side of things that I don't like. I don't like looking at. Like sometimes I wish I could just like, think like, oh, like Austin Eckler, like he's good. He's gonna be on the Chargers until he retires. But like, there's sixty million dollars in the red next year, and that's even before we get to a Justin Herbert contract extension. And so this is this is a team that's going to have to make some financial cuts next year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't have any money tied into Austin Eckler at this current time. But, you know, where are you going to find space to be able to bring him back? Like, that's the question here. So um, they're going to have to make some really, you know, smart moves. I think that is obviously part of the reason why they drafted a receiver and they drafted an edge rusher in the first two rounds. So it's it's unfortunate. But, you know, I think this is potentially uh, I'm curious if we want to put like a percentage chance on it, but I lean towards this being his last year on the chargers as well. And I think I know that, that a lot of fans have not liked the whole trade request thing, but you know, when we look at the scope of Austin Eckler's career, like to me, he's still one of my favorite chargers of, of my lifetime because I mean, we're talking about an undrafted free agent from Western Colorado that literally was like RB seven on the team when he first signed. So yeah, I, I still hold Austin Eckler in a very high regard, and I hope that if this is his last year, I hope people are respectful of his career and, yeah. and enjoy watching him for potentially the last year. Yeah, uh, sort of like a Darren Sproles thing where like there was a whole other career for Darren Sproles after the Chargers, but yeah. we also remember him so fondly for all the things that he did. This is the contract situation next year. If they cut J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and Mike Williams, They'll only have two million dollars in cap space. <laughs> so you tell me, first of all, that's not happening. Yeah, and they'll have to all, restructure some people, obviously. Yeah. So unrealistic scenario here, but you, you tell me where the eight million dollars for Austin Eckler is, six million. Like it's just it's just not there. It's not there. I'd love to have him back. You know, I'm sure he'll have a really solid season. It might be one of his most efficient seasons since he was. Yes. You know, having a, a a lower touch, you know, sort of career or year behind Melvin Gordon, but yeah, there's just again you cut Joey JC, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, and you have two million dollars. There's just no room for him, unfortunately. Yeah, that's it's, when you put it like that. It's it's so tough, but that's that's the business side of football. You got to talk about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on here, like on the field, like you're talking about, I do think we should mention this because now it's like. Now we can actually talk about on the field because the contract situation is is figured out. Yeah. Um, I think, like, there's no way he touches the ball as much as he did last year. I mean, 170 mm-hmm. catches, like, that's just definitely not happening after you draft a receiver in the mm-hmm. first round. Kellen Moore, uh, you know, brings a more vertical passing attack. But I am really excited to see how they give him some of the Tony Pollard touches because mm. you watch the way the Cowboys use Tony Pollard and there's a lot of creative touches, jet sweeps, uh, motion him out to the slot, motion him out wide. Like we haven't really seen him do a lot of the, like what the things that made Austin Eckler so great when he was uh, a younger player was mm-hmm. his versatility as a route runner and, and the things he can do that way. So I am excited to see Kellen Moore bring some of that back out in Austin Eckler. So I don't think he's going to have a, a volume season like the past couple of seasons, but I think he's going to be more explosive and more efficient overall. And I think he can still have a really good season, you know, over 1,200 total scrimmage yards for sure, I would predict, and and maybe mm-hmm. double-digit touchdowns, depending on how that goes. But 
Um, I mean, last year he averaged like seven yards a catch. <laughs> I think it was like 6.5 actually. Yeah. Um, so let's get, let's get him back up to like nine and a half, 10 yards a catch. I think that would be a really great scenario to see with that Tony Pollard role. Yeah. You look back at some of his old stats and it's like 10 and a half yards a catch for three straight seasons or whatever it was. I mean, he yeah. was efficient. There was a point where like way back when I was with bold beat, I was trying to make this comparison, like. Is he more explosive than Darren Sproles, Danny Woodhead, you mm. know, these kind of other guys? And, and granted, I didn't have all these fancy metrics that I'm sure Arjun could have shared with us. I didn't know him at the time. <laughs> but back then, I was trying to make that comparison. And he was yeah. more efficient on a per-play basis than your Sproles, than your Woodhead, than these guys. And those guys were like, I know they weren't home run hitting, you know, Derek Henry types at running back. But like that role was, was so good for him. So hopefully, you know, right now, if you look at the in terms of like, the total attempts per each team, the Chargers with Austin Eckler, it's like 70% him. Yeah. Part of that was just him being more healthy than some guys last year or more ready than Isaiah Spiller. But, you know, with, with the, if you look at the Cowboys, it's almost 50-50 with mm-hmm. their two main backs. It's like a, a 55% share for, you know, a Zeke. Or was it Zeke? Did, lead, did Zeke lead them last year? Or the, yeah, Zeke did. Tony Pollard had more total touches, I think, but... Yeah, Zeke had, Zeke had significantly more rushing attempts. Yeah, because he cut like four passes or whatever it was. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like fifteen, I think. Yeah. But, and Pollard was like fifty-five. Yeah. So in terms of rushing attempts, like it's, it's nice to see that that balance for sure. I don't know how much of a split we'll get. Although I, I predicted Spiller was going to be RB two. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. How are you feeling about that now? <laughs> Fantastic. He was out. There- <laughs> He was out there as the RB2 when Easton Stick threw that pick six yesterday <laughs> or whatever. So, you know what? He's out there as RB2. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm excited for Spiller, though. I am. I think this is going to be a, a good yeah. season. He looks he looks like he's slimmed down a, a good amount as well. And, and, you know, as Speedy just pointed out, you know, he's still 21 years old. Like, he's still got a lot yeah. of uh, football ahead of him. So, Mm-hmm. Um, gonna be exciting stuff there with the running back room. I am very curious because, like, there Kellen Moore's never used a third back, like, it's always just been mm-hmm. one and two. And so, if Joshua Kelly still kind of wins the RB2 battle, like, what kind of role does Isaiah Spiller has? I hope it's a, a you know decently big one so he can we can at least like see what he looks like this year. So, um, that's an exciting thing to, to look forward to, I think, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, Malik Davis last year, the only other guy who had a handoff. It's only three players that did 38 rushes, six receptions. I mean, when you have Zeke and Pollard, like it's I, tough. That's, yeah. that's more established, I think, than someone like Eckler and the other yeah. running back on this team. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Tony Pollard is one of like the most efficient running backs in the league over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. And then Zeke was, you know, their whole offense. Like, if you go back and look at his, I think it was 2018 season, it was like 1,800 yards rushing and like 900 yards receiving. Like it was mm-hmm. pretty crazy looking back at, you know, prime Zeke, if you want to call it that. Gee, Zeke's only 20. He's not even 28 yet. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but he's been in the league forever because he came out as a, I think he came out as a 20 year old. So he's been in the league for yeah. such a long time. Wow. She's, I don't know. He wasn't even 28 yet. I mean, he will be in two months, but still, that's. I feel like he's right. been in the league since I've been a fan practically, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. All right. I got some uh, super chats. Uh, Harrison Sanchez. Uh, appreciate it. He wants to know who starts at safety 
next to Derwin this season. So um, there was a, a mic'd up clip from Brandon Staley on Monday, and you see him pull aside Derwin James and Elohi Gilman. And he says, this room is going to go as you guys go, uh, talking about the whole secondary. So um, they like Elohi Gilman, man. I think they're going to give him a chance to at least prove during the offseason that he can be a starter. And, you know, it, it, it kind of makes some sense to have some cheap starters out there when you have so many expensive guys and Alohi Gilman's making like $900,000. <laughs> um, but he's a quality player, man. I thought he played really well down the stretch. And right now, like, there's no other choice. Like, Alohi is the choice to start alongside Derwin James. Yeah, as it currently is, I, I think he's the starter, and I think he's going to be the starter. I think if you wanted to bring in someone, you would have. Or if you wanted to draft someone, you would have. And they did last year with JT Woods. But yeah, I think they're going with it. And and honestly, you know, some, like Trey Pipkins, it was such a leap of faith, to be completely honest. Or, you know, hoping Foster Sorrell is an improved tackle this year. That's a leap of faith. Alohi Gilman, yes, you have to have some faith, sure, but you can actually track the progression of his yeah. play over the 100%. course of, of each year where he's ascended every single year. Like he's actually developed, especially with Brandon Staley and Derek Ansley in the league. So if they think he can take one more step forward and to just be solid for all 17 games, sick. Like I, I really yeah. think that, again, like Trey Pipkins had the ceiling, of course, but I never really thought that we could buy into this jump. It worked, but I, I really couldn't have bought into it. Alohi Gilman, you've seen the progression. I mean, you, you watch several games the back half of the season, and he's making incredible plays that I never, ever would have thought he'd be able to do his rookie season, you know, his sophomore year. Yeah. He's just getting better. So I, I, do, I, I trust him. That doesn't mean I think that he's an elite safety. That doesn't mean I think he's Jerwin James. That doesn't mean I think that, you know, next year they shouldn't upgrade because he'll be gone anyway. But I do trust him to be out there because I think he's sound overall. Doesn't mean he's yeah. elite. He'll make mistakes. But I think overall he's sound. Yeah, like I I, I would love to have a you know higher ceiling safety alongside Derwin sure. James and have Alohi as your safety three. I think you would feel great around, about that safety room. Um, but, you know, Derek Ansley and Brandon Staley each have talked about like the important traits that they look for at safety. And the first thing they always talk about is just vision and like intelligence and being able to read things out. And like you go back and watch the Miami Dolphins game. And I know everybody like Drew Tranquil got a lot, a lot of love for that. Obviously, the, the scheme did. But like they cannot perform that game without Alohi Gilman. I mean, he had to carry Tyreek Hill on wheel routes, on over routes. And that's like an athletic mismatch, right? Like Tyreek Hill is the most athletic receiver in the league, arguably. And Alohi Gilman was right there step for step on several times and obviously got that one uh, pass breakup that mm -hmm. really kind of got things going in the first half. So you look at the way Alohi Gilman closed the season, and I understand why the team would say, hey, you know what? Like, we want to see what Alohi looks like with another offseason with us. We mm -hmm. want to give him an opportunity to grow into a leadership role um, and continue to, you know, like you said, ascend like he has every single year that he's been with us. So. I feel good about Alohi. I'm more questionable about the depth behind him where yeah. like if Alohi gets hurt or if Derwin gets hurt and you're starting JT Woods at that point and, you know, Raheem Lane is your safety three instead of, you know, Alohi would if you sign somebody. So I'm a little skeptical of the depth for sure at safety, but I have confidence in Alohi that he'll be able to come in and play well. Yeah. 
I guess slightly depends on who gets hurt, but I, I think whoever gets hurt, it, it's more safety by committee by that point. Yeah. I think depending, I think you'll see some Raheem Lane. I think you'll see some JT Woods. I think it just kind of depends at that point. Yeah, but I don't know. It's not, it's not ideal. It's it's the most unproven backup grouping outside of maybe tackle that is out there. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, because at least at corner you have. Jasir and Asante, you know, figuring that part out. If a corner goes down, you know, at edge, you have Thule, linebacker, you have Dayon, who you just invested top picks in, too. Defensive tackle is probably the deepest room on the team. So, yeah, that safety depth is, is, could be dicey. If JT Woods takes a leap, then we're having a different conversation, but that's a, that's a big if. Um, Daniel Popper was writing about this kind of conversation, too, and he was mentioning that. You know, Derwin James was apparently playing a lot of slot uh, on the first day of practice. And like that might be a way the Chargers kind of overcompensate a little bit more with the loss of Bryce Callahan. But that also requires quality safety three play, too, because then you're putting JT Woods out there a bunch. And if he's not not up to speed, then there's really it kind of defeats the purpose of putting Derwin in the slot. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's really no good point to start experimenting with that. I guess you're just going to have to, like, you don't do that week one against the Dolphins. Like, all right, let's see if, uh, you know, JT Woods can handle the the, the post against some of these yeah. some of these guys. Like, I don't know if that's the week you do it, but that I don't really know when you do that, you know, because then you have the randomly, you'll have like the Titans. And so do you put him out there and do you trust him to go make tackles against Derrick Henry? I don't know, man. I, I just I, I hope he ascends and is a great player um, in all the snaps that he has. But I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Rooting for him. Hopefully mm-hmm. uh, he earns that spot. All right. Uh, obviously had a super sticker earlier in the show from uh, Miss Mama Shun. Appreciate it as always. You know, tuning in and uh, excited to chat with her now that she's an actual Chargers fan at training camp and everything and your wedding and all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, she could just take my job at this point. You know, I think the Chargers just <laughs> signed her or whatever. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you, Mom, for always being supportive. Training camp's going to be awesome. Yeah. And the wedding, that whole thing. That Yeah, that's kind of important, too. All right. I don't know if there were uh, – was somebody just blocked? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he made a comment on, on, on the Chargers YouTube video that I was like, I recognized the name. So I got oh, it. Okay. Away. Cool, cool, cool. I, I think I know what you're talking about. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Um, all right. Next thing that I wanted to talk about was definitely the return of Joey Bosa. Um, initially, when we like were planning the show out, I wanted to talk about him like showing up early to the OTAs and like, you know, all the things that he was talking about. Um, and then Giff Smith had to go and drop a bomb on us in an article with Eric Smith uh, talking about his groin injury, which actually was apparently uh, two groin injuries from Mr. Joey Bosa. Uh, so again, this from Eric Smith on the Chargers website. Uh, Giff said, quote, it was one of those where he tore the groin off the bone and then went in, I assume meaning surgery. The other side was also about to pop. So he had both of them done, which is crazy that he was able to make it back. So yeah, Joey Bosa's groin popped off his bone. And then when they were doing having surgery, they discovered that the other groin was also about to pop off the bone. So that sounds extremely painful. Uh, and I'm glad that Joey Bosa decided to have surgery and get that fixed. Yeah, uh, I'd retire. <laughs> so, I mean, just reading the quote, like. When I read that, I was one... like, I was like, oh, hold on. I have to read this again. I was like, that that can't be right. And then I was like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah. Okay. So imagine a doctor sitting you down. Okay. You've torn one side. And then the other side's about to pop off. Um, definitely, you know, I've had like a mini <laughs> shoulder injury and that made me cranky and whiny <laughs> for four months, you know, a little LCL tear, but like that was minor. Never had both sides of my groin almost pop off and one of them tear before. Um, I would have done more than throw my helmet. And I can imagine that I, I understand, even though he has to compose himself, in that moment against the Jaguars, like you're coming back, and you, the, the previous week against the Broncos, he clearly reaggravated it. Yeah, I'd be pretty emotional too. And and he's someone that you know he's he talked about his mental health, like he has struggled with it. So getting through all that, that's rough. And so it's tough in the moment, especially when your team loses a big lead like that, to be yeah. like, oh well, you know, let's feel bad for Joey, but. Listen, man, you, you tear off both sides of my groin. I, I'm quitting, I'm retiring, and it's golf the rest of my life. So good for him for getting back. Like honestly, you know, him, Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater. Look, the Chargers can't stay healthy, but they can recover pretty quick, it seems. <laughs> um, so whoever's doing that part is doing a really good job. Yeah. So I, I'm glad he's better and healthy, and there's no, you know, quote unquote wear and tear from really having an an entire season off for the most part in terms of hits and then having this off season he says he's doing great and joey bosa alternates years of success we're on the upswing here yeah man i um when i was in college uh i pulled my groin um during intramural basketball 
And like, that was not a fun couple months, man. Like your groin impacts like so much of like walking around and like sitting down is, is just difficult. And that's just like a pull. Like he, he tore his groin off of his muscle or off of his bone. Like that's crazy. And then the other one too was about to pop off. Like this is, again, this is just another example of like us as fans, we have such a limited picture of like what <laughs> these players go through yeah. mm-hmm. because all we hear is like, Oh, he, he hurt his groin. He needs surgery. It's a mm-hmm. core muscle surgery. Timetable for recovery is this. Mm-hmm. And then six months go by and it's like, well, he actually had two groin surgeries to get back and play in that kind of game. And so it, it's tough, man. Like I would not have blamed him at all if he had decided not to come back last season and just say, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to like recover. I'm going to focus on, on my recovery and, and just come back next year. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would have felt, you know, a certain way or should have felt a certain way um, after that quote. So that's that's brutal, man. I can't imagine going through that kind of pain and surgery and recovery yeah. to both of your groins. I guess to a certain extent, and this is extrapolating a bit, but that does speak to Brandon Staley keeping the team together because if you get hurt that early and, and really the core guys got hurt by like week three, week four, yeah. if you have that kind of future outlook where you're going, listen, we're going to make it to the postseason. If you can at any way get back and be healthy, and you have any shot of doing that 1%, you go for it. So you watch guys like like Rashawn Slater, like Joey Bosa, go for it. And now, you know, J.C. Jackson's injury was horrific. But he's thinking of playing week one where he really shouldn't be possibly. Yeah. But he's trying. So I, I really do think, again, extrapolating a bit here, but it does speak to Brandon Staley and him being able to keep this team focused on those wins and on the playoffs and, you know, trying to get and do something special as a team. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And just being able to have that mindset of, you know, keeping these injured players intact. Because, I mean, it's it's a different sport and a very different culture, right? But, like, how often do we see NBA players, you know, get injured in some kind of way and they just completely mail in the rest of the season? And it it's difficult to manage these professional athletes in general, but especially when they are injured, when they go away for surgery and away for recovery mm-hmm. time and all this stuff. I mean, Joey's been in Florida, you know, every spring, you know, training with his brother and it can be difficult to manage these kind of personalities, um, but keeping him locked in enough where he has this, you know, traumatic injury and is able to have that mindset to still be able to come back, I think is, is a good point as well. Um, you know, so he's, he's fully healthy. Um, you know, obviously the comments of him feeling better than ever in the winter might've been a little uh, exaggerated, but now after he's had some time to recover i can certainly understand why he feels that way he looks but he looks bigger uh than recent years you know based just off of the pictures so um i know that like the playoff game did not go well and again i i will never condone like the way that he acted but i i think joey's gonna win back a lot of fans this year with how he plays and like him showing up to OTAs this early which he has never done before he, he was at OTAs last year but i think it was like the end of week two um, so he showed up from day one this year. I think he's going to have a great season playing alongside Khalil Mack, which we really didn't really get to see much last year. It was really just mm-hmm. like the first two games, which were awesome. <laughs> so much fun to watch those yeah. two back. Um, so I think Joey's going to going to win back the hearts of a lot of people this year who maybe were a little upset at the playoff game. And, and maybe that's really the theme for the Chargers this year. Like they've been all in. They're going to go to the Super Bowl and everyone picks them to win the division. 
now everyone's going, yeah, you're all hurt. We don't believe in you. Yeah. It depends who you ask. And, you know, I think in terms of the fans' eyes, the media's eyes, and in the actual football in the division, like the Chargers now have to earn back the right to be called the better team, or Joy Bose has to earn that right to be, you know, the best edge rusher. And JC Jackson has to earn back the right to be, you know, Mr. INT and stuff like that. Yeah. The Chargers not to go out and earn that. So I feel like, in a way, that's kind of like could be the theme of the Chargers this year, where it's like, okay, we always believe in ourselves. We always believe in ourselves, and they do. But now it's like, let's make other people believe too. Like, I, we know that we've been counted out at this point. So let, let's go earn this and show them who we are and, and get back to, you know, earning the respect and earning the hype rather than it just being given to us, which I, I, I know they'll, they'll say that anyway. Right. right. Like they're always going to say like, we got to go earn and stuff. But like, I really feel like in the eyes of the fans and the media and in their own division in the NFL, the chargers have to go out and like earn this. And I think that applies for so many narratives for the chargers this year. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's very well said, and you know, kind of a redemption arc to their story, so to speak this year. Um, and I think we're seeing that in like how the media is talking about them, right? Like at this time last year, there are all these lists that come out of like, uh, Super Bowl odds, Super Bowl chances, who can dethrone the Chiefs, like all this stuff. Um, you know, quarterbacks under pressure, players under pressure, coaches mm -hmm. under pressure, and like all of it. Like, I've never heard the Chargers talked about as much as last offseason. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was a lot of fun. It was a great time to cover the <laughs> team, you know, talking yeah. about all those free agency moves and stuff like that. This year, I swear there's like not a peep. Like, you know, I interviewed Sam Monsoner this week and, and he put, that he gave the Chargers an A for the offseason. That's like been it for like the last month in terms of Chargers national coverage. <laughs> so yeah. there's just there's not a lot of buzz around this team right now. And I think, like you said, obviously some of that is justified. But um, you know, a redemption arc for the team this year, I think, would be really cool to see. Yeah, that's fun. I'm curious how the Chargers will, and it even seems like that's kind of how they're handling it this year. Like the first thing they did in the, in the schedule release was drop the 27 to zero right. receipt. Right. You know, so like they know that they're kind of they've kind of been the laughing stock, and no one believes in them. And and so I think I think I hope that can be the field of the fire. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, had a quick super chat as well from uh, Matt Lidioff. I think I, I said that right. Um, he says, "Looking forward to a great season. We are as well. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the super chat. Should be a good one." Um, there was another quote from Giff Smith's article that I wanted to, or Eric Smith's article with Giff Smith that I wanted to talk about too, but I want to find it and make sure I get it right. Um, also, apparently he coached Roman Reigns at Georgia Tech. I had no idea that Roman <laughs> Reigns played football. Uh, I don't pay attention to wrestling at all, um, but I thought that was really cool that he like had this cool insight into one of the biggest WWE stars from coaching him in football. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, finally, we found one athlete at, in the WWE. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's going to piss off like four people in the comments, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so the quote that I was looking for, I guess there, we could talk about the Chris Rumpf quote too, um, but I liked what he said when he was asked about Tuli, Tui Polotu as well, and mm. I wanted to bring it up. Um Eric Smith's question to him was, what stood out about Thule when you were evaluating him? Um, to, uh, and then Giff Smith said, he's he talked about the age, but um, he said, he's a pure football player, very smart. I liked him on tape. He was a little bit of a hard read, knowing exactly what you wanted to do with him. But then when he came down for our local pro day, 
He didn't work out, which wasn't that big of a deal, but we got to spend time together and his football knowledge and team spirit was tremendous. And then his body looked a little different in person. made me feel more comfortable with him as an edge guy. So I, I think just like that first impression aspect of, of like scouting and getting eyes on people and, and him saying that like, you know, on film, he might've looked a certain way, but then you see him in person and he looks different. And I think he has like slimmed down a lot. If you look at the pictures of him, I think he looks good. And then also with Brandon Staley's mic'd up situation, he was talking about Thule mm. and he was, I think he was talking to Giff Smith just about how fast Thule's hands are. And so I, mm -hmm. I think like the more we've had to like simmer on the Thule pick, I think it makes a lot of sense why they ultimately invested that pick in him. Yeah, it, he was a tough eval because of he did so many things and they had him do a variety of things some worked better for him some things didn't but that also means that you don't like there's 66.67 percent of his snaps are things that you don't want him to do in the nfl so i get why it's kind of hard to evaluate him but you know being able to look at we, we asked tom telesco this question like what do you evaluate what do you pick to watch you know and they project as best they can based on the snaps kind of at that position in that role that they're looking for so yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm impressed i've been impressed with him i could see why his football iq would be so high because he, he was asked to do so many things mm -hmm. and you know especially someone that young no less you know it's it, it, the roles that he had to play and his ability to do so many of those roles well enough you know, he's a second round grade for most um and he was a second round pick so being able to do that all of that at 20 is fantastic. So I get it. Him being able to do that many things does signal that he is very smart. A lot of high football IQ there. And that's that's beautiful. And I think I love that. I love that they had him in person and his frame just looked different. There's yeah. a, there, are def, there are definitely some players. Like you go to training camp, first of all, you realize how short you are, or at least I do. <laughs> I, I look at Donald Parham and I'm like, yeah, what the heck is that, man? Like, yeah. Yeah, and even like Michael Bandy's like, you know, got 20 pounds on me maybe. No, I think I think I'm fatter than he is. Um, no, Michael Bandy, you're good. Michael Bandy, you're good. I think you could have put on the 83 last year and pulled some people. <laughs> I would take the jet sweet, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we would have lost five yards but not fumbled. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Tuli does have great active hands for sure. He, he, yeah. He's a lot of fun to watch. Like, I don't want to say Chris Rumpf is not an, you know, a true edge, but I feel like just watching Tuli, we watch him line up at edge, and it's like, yeah, that's an edge rusher. And that's that's very different yeah. than what they've had. Like, yeah, they have Khalil. Yeah, they have Joey. But after that, it's been, you know, Kyle Van Noy, tweener, Chris Rumpf, still trying to bulk up. You know, a lot of these kind of tweener sort of types, whereas him, mm -hmm. he's like an edge, a DN type. So I, I could see why they'd be like, oh, okay, that's a different body type than we were expecting. Yeah, and I think that's something that they really are excited about as well. So... Um, GIF went on to say about Thule, um, I just think to be able to go into this room, be a sponge, absorb Joey and Khalil and all the guys' knowledge, I think you can do a lot of things that we want to do with that position, especially on third down like we did last year. Uh, and then he also added, there's some little things in the league that are different, but he'll pick up on it quickly. And yeah. I think he'll be a productive player that's going to be a rotational guy that's going to help us win a lot of games this year. So some high praise about Tuli Tuipolotu from Mr. Giff Smith. Yeah, the, the way they've talked about him, you feel like he's, they probably think he's a steal. Uh, mm -hmm. And I could see that. Because if if the 
30% of the snaps he had at edge translate, and, and they were good, translate to what he can do full-time in the NFL. Like, I really do like the team. Or not the team. I do like the team, but I like the pick. Yeah. And I think we also saw that uh, conversation or the the lengthy story about how the Chargers went about picking Quentin Johnston mm. and how that area scout was saying that, like, they, at least the scouting staff of the Chargers, viewed Quentin Johnston in the same vein, similar vein as Bijan Robinson. Like they, they have been very open to, to talk about how much higher they were on Quentin mm-hmm. as well as Thule throughout this whole process. And again, some of that is like, Oh, we drafted him now. Like we're going to talk about him, but um, it's, they were very, very high on these first two picks at least. And and we heard uh, Ryan Ficken uh, just, who's <laughs> about uh Deion henley but that's special teams for sure but yeah um, they they've been very positive about these first three picks in a way that they really haven't been of the previous classes outside of the first rounders and jamari last year yeah i it, it's so funny because the whole conversation about quentin johnson is one thing it's one obvious thing it's the hands and then you watch him in camp and every single catch granted in shorts yeah is with his hands and it's great extended. technique just it's like beautiful out, yeah. and it's like did you, did you are we punked you know <laughs> because it, it's such not grand very different things you know yeah. when, when jalen ramsey's on you and you're running a slant that's different but still like watching him in camp you you just ha- you can't help but wonder did they already fix it because like quentin johnston might have been i mean he was wide receiver too for me at one point but like he would have been much higher on my board if he had a drop rate that was 5%. That's potentially wide receiver one, you know, a wide receiver yeah. two easily. So I'm not going to say it's fixed. It's very early, of course. It's just right. football in shorts, but you can't help but watch him and go, oh man, like <laughs> if they figured this out in about four days, then this is the easiest pick they could have made. And maybe that, and that's how they feel. I'm sure like they didn't, I'm sure they looked at it and went, oh, yeah, we can fix that. Um, the real reservation is really just Mike Williams because he doesn't, as gritty as, as he is with contested catches, sometimes he has those those dropsy issues. So, But if they fixed it, I mean, geez, uh, yeah. doing pretty good. I think like the toughest part about like being like casual draft fans, like we all, all we have is film, right? We don't have that access of like getting to know these people. You know, I it's you never know how much a guy really wants to improve, mm-hmm. and I think that's an underrated aspect of of Quentin because he was he was a Z receiver in the old TCU offense. Like he had to come in and he had to play a new position with last year's TCU offense, and he had to do different things and learn a new new role and take on a, a more leadership and stuff like this. And um, you know, he's he's certainly like made a point at least in his offseason training to improve his his biggest weakness and his drop rate is significantly better in the NFL Then, yeah, we're talking about a steal. Heck yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Definitely have to prove it for it's very different. (laughs) Catching a football in shorts in May is very different. Yeah. But I will say even with someone like Jalen Guyton, you watched him in camp to start 2019. No, sorry, 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was still like, you know, ball goes over his head and it's still like, Jalen Guyton catching strays. <laughs> sorry. Um, I, I respect Jalen Guyton. I think he's awesome. I'm just saying, like, you watch the old camp, and it's you're hoping for something. 
and it's just like oh boy what what, what was that um worked out very well again fixed things but that took much longer and you could even see in the just regular practice he was still struggling with it quentin everything looks like it looks perfect what are you yeah. going to change about the way he's, he's catching the football nothing and he's so confident he's catching it and then dunking under his leg and making you know crossovers and whatnot in the uh in the field so which didn't they, didn't Quentin say that he got in trouble for yes. that? Yes, <laughs> Quentin yeah. said the coaches were like, uh, "Don't do that again next time." <laughs> I I like the swagger though, man. If you're feeling that yeah. confident, and that's almost like what it is too with, with catching the football. If, you, if you're like nervous and you're rigid and you, you're worried about catching the football, it's very difficult. You feel that confident out there, especially when Herbert's throwing you. Well, was it Herbert at the time? Either way, yeah, you're that so, confident, feeling pretty good. I was gonna say too. It's funny to see like uh the pictures and like the videos of him when he's catching from herbert and he just turns up fields and he's just like has the biggest smile on his face he's like yeah. this is fucking awesome man <laughs> <laughs> they look i don't know what it is but they i don't know man that that shot of herbert and keep calling more looking at each other and they got the biggest smiles on their faces you know i don't know if it's partially because i mean well Kellen Moore is justin herbert that's fun yeah i don't know if it's because herbert's just healthy but I don't know, man. It looks like a total bromance. Like he only looks like a Keenan Allen like that, yeah. honestly. But now Kellen Moore, <laughs> Too uh, like he, they looked at each. I don't know, man. There was a whole bromance going on, and I love to see that. Yeah, I, um, I'm still very reserved about the Chargers' defense. Like I still need to see it totally. But uh, dude, like I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> the hype that I have about the Chargers' offense right now is is pretty crazy for how things ended last year. Yeah. I mean, again, if that like defense, even if the defense is entirely healthy, I'm a little still worried, right? Because we've seen some issues. Yeah. That offense, man, if they're healthy, they're. I mean, let's run left with Zion and Slater. Okay, great. Now let's throw it down. This like, can your slot receiver cover Quentin Johnson? Is he yeah. tall enough? Is he fast enough? Oh, we're just kidding. We're gonna throw it to Mike. Like, it's just like, uh What we've always every time every hype part of the off season, right? What, is, what do most fans do? They just list all the players on the offense. And that's like the way people <laughs> hype things up. It's like, here's their offense. Who's going to stop it? But like, we actually have a coordinator who's going to make it difficult, I hope, yeah. to stop them. So, uh, yeah, man. I don't want to shoot out in week one because that means the defense didn't hold up. But boy, that'd be fun. It would be a lot of fun. I mean, you're talking about some great offenses mm -hmm. uh, potentially on that field. So, um. You know, like I, and when I was interviewing Sam Monson, like, you know, he uh, or PFF, the social team, like tweeted out his AFC ranking, right? And Justin Herbert was fourth on the on the in the list, and all the comments are like, Justin Herbert hasn't done anything. Like, uh, he's he was outplayed by Trevor Lawrence. Like all this crap, and it's like nobody, like Sam pointed out, it's like nobody ever talks about the injuries with Justin Herbert. Like, he broke his rib cartilage which i didn't even know was a thing in week <laughs> two and then spent probably three months dealing with that so mm -hmm. you know just along with having just justin herbert healthy i think is is gonna put up numbers right but now you mm -hmm. add quentin johnston keenan mike being healthier palmer being healthier too mm -hmm. um rashawn slater coming back this offense if they stay relatively healthy man it's gonna put up a lot of points yeah yeah. Defense might give up a lot of points too, though. <laughs> Still going nine and eight, but it's going to be sick on offense. That yeah, is. We're going to get more shootouts this year as opposed to like 20 to 17 against the Falcons. Oh, jeez. Goodness gracious. 
Yeah. And and like people in the chat are saying, like, I like Chargers have to earn it. We were just talking about that. But I think offensively, like if you're super hyped about the offense, I think that's completely justified. It, it's generally not the offense that I mean, yes, Kellen Moore has to prove it. And I think there are moments where Herbert needs to earn it. But like that, that's not the part of the team that I'm I'm worried about. Like, I'm not going to have to talk about special teams the entire offseason because they've got my respect. I believe in them. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, Arjun sent us some data, uh, you know, regarding the new uh, special teams rule, which I think. Oh, is, yeah. I think is ridiculous. But, you know, what's the point? Uh, really, like, we might as well just take kickoffs away. Like, there's no point in this rule of doing that. So, um, anyways, Ryan Faken is a genius. I think he's a great coach. And uh, I think the Chargers special teams is going to be going to be very good again. Yeah. I can again the thing that they were the worst at was kickoff return and now it's not going to happen so yeah <laughs> by default like problem solved <laughs> yep they drafted a return specialist in the fourth round and half of his job has gone away <laughs> two weeks later <laughs> uh, well let's not talk about that positives yeah I like Darius Davis as a receiver though and he's he's yeah he's a great punt returner so yeah yeah totally but yeah shout out Ryan Ficken man uh you know, I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. All right, Tyler. We definitely uh, talked about all of that for a lot longer than I thought we would, which is classic. Us. Um, totally. But any final thoughts before we head out for tonight? Uh, nope. Just praying I don't tear off both sides of my groin <laughs> the entire rest of my life. Because if I do, I don't know. I- I'm quitting everything. I won't even be able to sit in a chair. Like, I-, I just don't want that to happen. So I hope that never happens to anybody else in their lives ever. Yeah, I would not wish a double groin tear on anybody uh that i know so um hopefully nobody has that happen to them again um all right that's gonna do it for us tonight like i said earlier tonight um we will not be having a saturday show this weekend uh we'll be back next tuesday or actually potentially next wednesday because of memorial day you know schedule's a little off right now um and then we'll have our usual thursday night episode next week and then get kind of back to normal schedule after that so um, we're going to enjoy the holiday weekend. Hopefully you guys do as well. Appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight with us live. If you are listening to this, please leave a rating and review. We always appreciate that as well. And that's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys later.